Well, hey there, Alliance family. My name is Jeremy Gorham. I'm the pastor at Crosstown Alliance. We're a multi-site church in western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. We have five locations, but it didn't start out that way. Our journey began eight years ago when we heard about a church 35 miles away from us that was about to close their doors. Their church had split from 20 to 10 people. Their pastor was bivocational. They could barely pay the bills unless someone stepped in. And so we approached them and said, hey, what if we did church together? What if we shared our resources? What if we shared the sermon? What if we provided a campus pastor to care for the people and equip the saints for ministry? Well, unfortunately, that church died, except for one person who was willing to step out in faith. And I learned later on this lady named Cheryl likes to skydive. She embodies the Alliance's core value of faith-filled risks. You see, we believe at Crosstown that playing it safe is risky, And so we stepped out in faith and sent a team of 30 people to be a part of a launch team. We renovated that facility over the next year, and God did such an amazing work through his people. That church now averages 240 people on Sunday morning. And we've been able to replicate this model three times over where similarly these churches are struggling to survive. They can't pay the bills. And so we partner with them because we believe that we're better together. And something neat happens through this process. God's people gather and he uses their gifts, their passions, their abilities, and their experiences to renovate a facility, to provide key ministry on Sunday morning. And a campus pastor, his time is freed up to care for the people and equip the people for ministry. Those churches have grown to the point where now we as one church have had the opportunity to plant a church in a city. And that might not mean much to you, but we're rural churches. We're small town churches with a big time dream to impact our region for the gospel. And so when we heard about this church in Greece, New York, which is Rochester, a, a city in an area of five mile radius around the church of 177,000 people, we were not okay with it closing. And while we can't solve everyone's problems, we want to be a part of the solution. And so we didn't just send one launch team. We sent three launch teams where the campuses would rotate, providing key ministry. And in the midst of the 2020 
the COVID pandemic, we actually planted a church. And that church has grown from about 15 people to over 75 people on Sunday morning with three people being saved, two people being baptized. We praise God for his faithfulness, but he chose to use us. And we've experienced that one small ripple really can create a wave of change. We use that term ripples of grace on purpose because that very first campus that I told you about in Olean, New York, their name was Grace Alliance Church. And so we wanted to honor their legacy by being people who step out in faith and seeing the grace of God expand more and more to our area. I hope that our story will inspire you that one small ripple can create a wave of change. Thank you for allowing us to share our story. God bless you. Good morning, you guys. Um, Welcome to Common Ground. Um, I'm going to invite you guys to stand with us as we get started in worship. Um, And I'm going to open us in prayer. Uh, Jesus, you are our joy. You are our source of love and grace. Um, And we just want to praise you for your new mercies every morning. Um, And just bless this time that we get to spend together in the community, in worship, and um, in teaching. Um, And I ask that you would use this time to change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we thank you for this morning and the chance that we get to come here together to worship you. Um, I just pray that as we're gathered here, that we would understand your love better and that we would understand the way that you have called us to live that out in our lives. So, God, I just ask that you would um, help us to open our hearts to you, um, the eyes of our hearts, that we would be willing to receive your word today and that we would just go forth into your world ready to be vessels used by you uh, for your power and for your goodness and for your glory. Uh, God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Thank you, Audrey. You may have a seat and welcome to Common Ground. We are glad that you are here this morning. Welcome to Hills Alive Weekend in Rapid City. Uh, great to have maybe a few faces that are here joining us today because of that event. My name is Nick, and I'm on staff here. I'm kind of Evan's sidekick, I guess. I don't know what my official title is, uh, but I'm kind of like his Patrick to, well, to your SpongeBob, I guess. Yeah, I'm sticking with that one. <laughs> That's a good one. I just have a few announcements I want to share with you, things that are going on, uh, things that we want you to be aware of. Uh, one is, we do not have a slide for this, but uh, we have been partnering with uh, Showered with Hope and helping to get that uh, mobile uh, shower base for our homeless uh, friends here in town built and going. We're going to have a work night this Thursday at 6.30, and that will be at Loyal Plumbing. Uh, they will be concentrating on the floor and making sure that that is in good shape before we start putting up walls and uh, adding the other things to it. So if you can make it to that, uh, or if you have questions about that, you can come see Evan, or better yet, go see Ted in the back, and he can tell you all about that ministry and what's going on. So here at Common Ground, we believe that um, su Sundays are just full of all kinds of things going on. And one of the things we really want to do is to make sure that God's Word is landing in us and landing hard. So beyond our hour or so that we're gathered here, we want to also put tools in your hands like our uh, discipleship guides. And you can find those online at our website at commongroundcma.org. Click on the resources and uh, it will take you to the discipleship guide so that you can go back and review the sermon and also say, hey, I can go a little bit deeper with this and study some more scripture and find ways to really kind of work this into my life. And so we want you to be aware of that tool. There's also hard copies back at the greeting spa uh, station. Uh, speaking of the greeting station, um, our greeting team, who are Mark and Carol Cole, were so quick to volunteer to help us out with that. And then they went on vacation and things like that. They've been gone. So we we need help. We, you know, we need more greeters. So if you're one of those really friendly people, you know, you just love saying hi to people and things like that, um, uh, you can talk to us about that and uh, help us out by just uh, letting people know where things are here as they enter into the church and to get comfortable in this space. All right, next announcement. I'm pretty excited about this one. This is pretty good. Coming up, August 21st at Old Storybook Island. That's old Storybook Island. That's the one you have to enter from Canyon Lake Drive. All right. We are going to have church at the park. Woohoo! Yes. That's always a great time. So, yeah, we get out there and sit in the sun and uh, sing and worship and enjoy the beauty of things. And, you know, that's a great place to get baptized. If you've not been baptized, I'm just throwing that out there, Evan. Maybe maybe someone can come and talk to you about that. Um, you know, so far we haven't lost anybody in the current, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, just a great time for us as church to uh, get outside, enjoy God's beauty and creation, and uh, sing about his beauty and, and as a creator. 
in to really worship him. And then we have a church potluck picnic. Now, the church will provide the, the, the hot dogs and the hamburgers and things like that. We would just encourage you to bring a side and chips or something like that, and also to bring your own drinks and bring lawn chairs and blankets and things like that to sit on uh, while you're uh, at the park. But again, that's coming up August 21st, so that is always a good time. All right, one of the things that we do here at church as part of our worship service is we have what we call awkward social interaction time. And I know that's not everybody's bag, especially if this is the first time you've ever come to Common Ground. All right, so uh, everybody's going to get up in a minute. They're going to say hi to everybody and things like that. Uh, if that's, boy, that's just not you, uh, then here's, what, here's some tips for what you can do. Uh, first thing is just get up and go and grab a snack in the fellowship hall. Okay, so go now. Do that now. <laughs> if this is going to shake you up a little, uh, another thing you do is just stay where you're at and do the waist high five. You know, the waist high five. You know, that kind of. Whoop, there you are, that kind of thing. Or the eyebrow up, head nod. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, or you can just do this. Get your phone out and act like you have a text. You know, <laughs> or you know, as one of our members do, you can just cross your arm and say, "I don't do people," <laughs> and uh, that gives everybody fair warning. That kind of thing. But if you want to. You can. You don't have to. Uh, go find someone and go say good morning to them and welcome them uh, into our time of worship here. Okay? That's your cue. Up and at them. Uh, sit where you are or go say hi.
Lord, your glory goes on forever and ever. You are never changing, and you will never give up on us. And I just ask that we would understand the wonderful love that you give us, um, that we would be able to grasp even just a little bit of the awesome power that you have. Um, And I ask that, um, yeah, uh, we just want to thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We're now going to go into a time of offering. Um, So you'll see the three ways to give on the screens here. Uh, You can give in person, online, or via text. And there's also a nice QR code for you there. Um, But if you would like to support the ministry, support the church, uh, support all of the things that go on um, with different ministries in the church, um, I just ask that you would consider that. Um, The in-person box is over on that table over there. Um, and yes, we're going to get into another song.
Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you are coming soon. You are coming to claim your bride, um, the church. Uh, I just ask that you would allow me and allow all of us to just wait with that eager anticipation for the day that you come back to to make us yours um, in full, Father. And I just pray that you would... um, Allow us to linger on that promise um, as we go about our business and as we think about the day-to-day things that this is just temporary and that the the true bliss of eternal union with you is still coming, um, Father. So I pray that um, as we leave this time of giving and of meditation and enter the sermon that our hearts would just be ready for what you have us to hear um, and that you would just be moving and working and that we would just be submitted to you um, in every every possible way that we can. Uh, we thank you for your goodness. In your name, amen. 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 Well, thank you, team. Thanks for leading in worship. It's at this time, uh, as we continue on in worship, that we set aside for prayer, um, because this is our opportunity now to approach the throne of God. This is our opportunity to approach him, to be active in worship, and to be authentic with one another. And so one of the ways that we do this periodically is we have some guests come in and share what God has been doing in their life. And so pardon me as I decorate up here, but we get to hear from a very special guest today. And so at this time, I'm going to invite up Vanessa Perigo to come join me on the stage here. Because Vanessa has been up to a lot. And so we're going to get to hear a little bit about what you've been up to recently. But before we get into that, Vanessa, can you just give us maybe a brief history of what your relationship with Common Ground has been? Because you went here for how many years? Since 2014 and then left last year. And left last year. So she's been a longtime member of this church family. And where have you been then for the last year and why? So, okay, okay. I will backtrack a little bit (laughs) (laughs) with, like, how I came to know Common Ground. Um, Actually, the person that's partly responsible for it is uh, Mr. Fantinsky that just left the room. (laughs) But um, I was part of a nonprofit organization called OPEN. It stands for um, One People Every Nation, which is a Christian nonprofit organization that um, served the internationals in the area. And we were looking for a place where we can meet and gather together. And all of us were volunteers. We don't have any money. And so, like, some of the churches that we talked to were like, well, okay, yeah, you're welcome to meet here for this amount of dollars. Like, don't have the money for that. So, like, okay, (laughs) next church. And then um, one of my, one of the board members actually knew Brian and said, like, you can meet with this church that met at the basement of the creamery building on 2nd Street. Um, and they said, and he said that, yes, we, this church is for ministry. And so they welcomed us and not charged us to have our potlucks there, our English classes, our Filipino classes, and all that. And, um, of course, I got curious, like, okay, why, why would they let us use this for free. And I learned that how missional the church is. And and that's what my husband, um, late husband Jesse, 
and I were looking for for a few years. We were kind of mm -hmm. shopping for a church, you know. It's, and um, he said that, okay, well, if this church is missional, then maybe we can give it a chance. And, you know, in no time, he was heckling um, Brian Franciscan. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he felt right at home, apparently. Yeah. Um, and so we started coming here, and um, I can't really thank this church enough for for all that um, they have done for us. Um, during the time that my husband was battling cancer. Okay, I guess this is the time that I'll be emotional, but um, the the church has rallied, rallied um, um, and has really kept us encouraged all through that time. Um, and also witness to even other people um, in our like in our neighborhood we had to sell our house and so that um if, after i take my husband home then he would have been able to have like a, a place that's accessible for a wheelchair mm -hmm. but um and so the church in i, I want to say it's two weeks just rallied together got our, packed up all our stuff painted everything changed lights, fixtures, fixed whatever was wrong with the house, and mm -hmm. we were able to sell it in, like, within that three-week period. Mm -hmm. And my neighbors were like, which church do you go to again? Like, I'm like, yes, this is what church is about, is that people who are in community just praising God in, you know, like, in whatever ways that he calls us to. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Oh. And then, so... Kind of forward. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, you know, what I had planned, which was for my husband to, you know, be healed and mm. get over the the cancer and all that, and you know, be with us here today, is not the same as the plan that God had in mind. And um, he passed away um, in 2020. And um, and so after that, I, of course, I was like, you know, like, well, there goes my healing prayer. Like, why would I even pray now? You know, like I was really um, struggling with my faith. But um, but the church still embraced me even through that. And um, there was a time that I felt like I was lost. And I said, like, I'll pack up everything move to California, be closer to family, makes sense, you know, um, and all that. But um, during that time, like when I was in the very pit of it, that's when I asked God, like, hey, you win. I can't, I can't, you know, do this. So what do you want me to do? Um, and that's when I found this prayer card for a Christian Missionary Alliance um, missionary that came and visited two weeks before I left for California. And um, when he was speaking here, talking about missions, and I was like, mm, okay. like. And then I was just going to sneak out, and then he called me like, oh, hey, I haven't talked to you yet. Like, there's a reason why you haven't talked to me, but hello. <laughs> um, and I took that um, prayer card with me because he said, like, you know, maybe you 
should look into this, mm. and they're like, mm, sure, okay, like, put it somewhere, <laughs> tucked in somewhere. I yeah. didn't even know where it was, like, in my luggage. Surprisingly, you know, of all the things that I had left behind, and my sister-in-law knows how much stuff I left behind. Um, like, I managed to put that somewhere and pull it out just when God um, was really pulling me out of that darkness. And like, okay, like, okay. So this organization looked into it, and I said, like, you're calling me to be a missionary, and I was like, I'm so broken right now. Like, nobody's gonna take me. You know, like. Um, for sure, like, if I tell, ask them, they're going to say no. True enough, I, you know, went through the psych exam, and it was like, ah, super high in depression and anxiety. Like, yeah, but it's okay. This is not a forever thing. Like, you, you know, God has a plan, and um, we'll put things in place in order to, you know, get you there. And, I mean, like, I was, like, every door, I'm like, Surely God's going to close this, going to close this. But it kept opening doors, opening doors, which led me to going through a, tr- uh, a training program in New York. And I'm like, okay, like I just moved here. And then you want me to move to New York? Like, I guess so. Um, and during that one year, it was all about um, equipping God, equipping me of how to reach his people. Um Here in South Dakota, I've been so, like, comfortable because, like, almost majority of the people I meet are believers, you know, like, I know, like, you know, they're the ones that have been encouraging me, you know, all this time, you know, all the hardships that we experience, but New York is totally different. Um, One of the pictures um, that I sent, um, I don't know. Yep, we should have it on there. But... um, is a picture of um, me being invited by um, some of the ladies to pray with them during Eid, which is a a holiday for the Muslims. And this is even prior to me starting the program. God has just been kind of laying this path for me that I didn't even know, you know, I was going to go through. Um, And so... Um, through that, like, I've seen just how, how God has really worked, um, in me, stretching me in different ways, um, and also, like, taking the time to heal. Mm. Um, so this was July last year, like, three days after I moved to New York. I haven't gotten through the training yet. Like, so I have no clue how to, I was just into the deep end of missions now, huh? So God has placed me in this apartment where in front, so that, that picture, um, so there are two doors like right next to each other. So the one on the middle, I guess so you can see that's where like my apartment is. And they closed that block because during Eid, that's where the Muslims prayed. And, of course, like, I have no clue what's going on. So, I'm like, oh, I want to be respectable. So, I just put, like, a little scarf on and was just kind of like, what's <laughs> happening? You know, like, what's Anything? going on? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a lady that asked me, am I late? Like, are they, are they still going? I'm like, oh, oh, well, I think so. Like, and then just coming out of my mind, like, of my mouth, like, I didn't even think of it. Like, can I join you? Like, I'm like, 
in my mind, I was like, where did that come from? I'm like, why would I join him? And then, so, and then she was saying, like, yeah, yeah, come, come, come. And then I had to stop her, like, I'm not a Muslim. I'm actually a follower of Jesus. And then she said, like, it's okay. Come, come, come. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Never met this lady before. Uh, and she told me, like, okay, sit there, you know, like. And, like, as, I was, as they were praying, like, I was praying for them. And, like, you know, for God to reveal the truth to them. And, like, just my heart just ached. And, mm. like, you know, like, like I've never experienced before. I mean, I do have, like, Muslim friends even here in, in South Dakota. But it's just different when you see all of them there. Um, and they're very, very nice people. Like, at first, I was very intimidated because I, you know, felt like I don't know much about them except for, like, the, the few nice people that I've met here. But... Um, right now, like, I have, like, five families that I'm, um, visiting and, like, two other Muslim single ladies that I'm, that I'm, um, trying to introduce Jesus a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's nothing like, you know, like, oh, I, I am not a great, uh, Bible scholar by any means. And that's when I know, like, God is working because, like, if God can use me, the lowly me who knows really nothing, but provides me the wisdom and the just even the words to say when I'm with him, I have a big God. Mm, that's beautiful. Amen. And, and so, like, as much as I, you know, like, try to be, like, just overthink things, like, mm -hmm. he just lets me, yeah. like, be guided by him. And so you finished the missionary training yes. program out there in New mm -hmm. York. And in the process, it sounds like God has really affirmed the call that you had sensed from him, that this is actually the direction he's calling you to go in your life. Now, mm -hmm. what is next for you? So what is next? Um, I, have, um, I have been praying for a direction of, like, what will happen the rest of my life. So, like... I don't know if there are other widows or widowers here, but sometimes after you your spouse um, passes, you just lose that identity. And I'm like, okay, so if I'm not Jesse's wife, not I'm not a mom, like what am I? You know, and I have no clue. And he plays it in my heart like that. I enjoy having people over. I like like. The hospitality part of it, I, I feel like it's part of my culture also. I'm originally from the Philippines, um, and we just love to, like, welcome everybody. And I was like, if I can, if that can be my ministry, like, how wonderful would that be? And God just kept opening doors after doors, and now leading to potentially moving to Southeast Asia next year. And um, the first two years will be more like language and culture uh, studies. But the goal would be to be part of a business or start a business in hospitality. And I'm like, God, that's a very big ask. Like, I have no clue how to do that. And so, um, and right now the government um, of that country, it's a closed country. They're cracking down on foreigners that are staying there. And so um, we have to be creative um, in answering, and thus the, the business as mission um, strategy. And, um, 
and so I need to build my credibility and get experience in hospitality. And so, again, God has opened up this door in Manhattan. Um, and I'll be able to live there and also learn from them on how they do ministry in hospitality. It's a guest house for um, uh, ministry workers. Um, but they have been very generous in, like, saying, like, okay, we'll, you know, teach you how to how to do this. And, you know, the business side of things, private, you know, practical side of things, and even, like, the, you know, like, how do we connect the faith and the business uh, model. Um, but at the same time, I'll be, bless you, and I'll be able to continue my ministry and follow up with my people in Queens, which is very accessible. Um, so, yes, that's what's next. And then after that, um, God willing, I'll be um, in Southeast Asia by, by next year. Um, yeah. And Okay. Yeah. That's really exciting. So one year in New York to prepare to go to yes. Southeast Asia. I imagine New York is probably not the cheapest place to live, and I imagine a trip to Southeast Asia isn't. And yes. so I know that part of the reason that you're here in town right now is a bit of like a fundraising tour. Mm -hmm. And so we obviously want to be able to help you mm -hmm. and to help support you in your mission. But can you explain a little bit about yes. maybe how much you need to raise or what your fundraising process is going to be like over the next month? Yes. So the um, the invitation is for people to invest in God's work. Like all I really ask, like my main ask is for people to pray if this is, if my ministry would be something that they want to invest in. And maybe I shouldn't say if you want it <laughs> to be, but if God wants you to to invest in this work. So I was told, like, okay, like I was asking how much, um, how much it would take for me to be part of the the mission organization, and be in <clears throat> that country in Southeast Asia. And it's between four to forty five hundred a month, and I'm like, excuse me, um, <laughs> like maybe like maybe just the five hundred because like you know to me like Asia is less expensive than here, but. Um, I was told that a third of that amount is what would be for my living expenses, and the rest is for um, the administrative and also the um, like the the ministry part of it. So ministry expen expenses, mm -hmm. um, and you know, like I don't know how many have been missionaries in the past, but um, to me, like this is really like a daunting amount to even think. But again, I needed to remind myself of how how big God is, like how He was able to uh, finance my my training year in New York last year, which was also expensive. But um, just kind of the the brief version of the story is that I owned a house for one year and sold it, with, and I made enough money for me to live in New York for one year. So, like, that blows my mind. One year, like, usually, like, six years for you to even recoup your money. But anyway, so, again, <laughs> like, big God, right? Um, and so, uh, for this next year, um, I will still have to pay for, for the lodging and food um, for staying in this guest house. Um, it's called Hepsiba House, if um, anybody wants to 
uh, look it up. It's a really nice, like, brownstone house, which is like a brown concrete house. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But um, it's like a block away from Central Park. So when I, where I was in Queens, we have uh, a little park where we do prayer walking. Um, and it's like probably 5% compared to like what Central Park is. And even just prayer walking at that little park in Queens has allowed me to connect with people I never thought would mm-hmm. I would have. And so... Um, I think, like, it just kind of blows my mind that God has placed me in, like, somewhere so beautiful like that. Um, But, yes, so there are a few ways that you can contribute. Like I said, like, my number one thing is if you can pray for me in my ministry, but also pray um, to God if you're supposed to be part of this ministry. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to be offended if, like, Oh, like, you know, like we're being called to, to support, you know, a different missionary family or here and that. It's, but the important part is just that ask of God to like, what do you want me to do with the provisions that you already given me and my family? Like, is it, you know, to build a kingdom or maybe, you know, do that in another way? Um, second would be, I really would appreciate people, um, checking on me on, Mm -hmm. possibly on a regular basis because it is a very tough job. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I sometimes wish like, why can't you just call me to be like, I don't know, like a food critic where I go to like different (laughs) places and enjoy a minute. It's like, you know, no, no. Okay. So, um. But I guess this is what I'm called to do. Um, but it is hard. Um, it is hard to be stretched, in, especially like, okay, you're going somewhere, and like you're supposed to pray for that person. Like, I don't know that person. Um, can can I really like? Can I just pray right now, like by myself? No, you have to approach them, ask them if you can pray for them. Like, okay, and then. <laughs> do it and, you know, look like, get like the weird looks, but <laughs> also, like, that's how I met, like, one of the, like, the widows. Like, I just opened up to them, you know, they asked me, why are you here in New York? Like, well, actually, like, this is my story, and it's like, oh, me too. My husband passed away, you know, a few months ago, and, like, I, I told her, like, you know, we traded numbers, and I put on her phone, like, Vanessa, Call when lonely, because that time that time will come, you know. Like, um, but it's just so many, so many wonderful people that I have met that, um, like I otherwise wouldn't have, and so I'm definitely grateful. Um, of course, uh, another way is to um, give um, regularly or a one-time gift. You know, is appreciated. Um, every little bit helps. Um, again, that's. That's a big goal, but again, I, I feel like it's between the person and God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not gonna ask like, oh, you know, I know you got money. <laughs> but, anyway, so there's that, and also if you know somebody that needs to hear this story, mm-hmm. like maybe somebody that 
have never met a missionary or um, just even just somebody that needs to be encouraged, um, I would be more than happy to meet with them, even if they don't know me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty open about who I am. And and so I, I felt like that has really opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of like, yeah, being vulnerable to people. So, yeah. Very good. Well, Vanessa, we really believe um, in the call that God has placed in your life and believe that he's going to use you in amazing ways. And so I just want to encourage everyone here to consider um, if God might be calling them um, to give and to support her as she moves off into the mission field. And we were just joking about this this morning that maybe for some of you who just thought you were coming to Rapid City um, for a concert this weekend, maybe it's not a coincidence um, that you came on this time. Or maybe, Vanessa, you're just an excellent planner and you knew that you could get the out-of-towners then. Um, but I would encourage you um, to visit this link and to consider giving um, to support her. And I would encourage you to, um, to write down her name, uh, to write down some reminders to pray for her during the next few weeks and during the next season, and then come and get your contact so that they can reach out to you so that they can be a continual source of support and encouragement for you over this next year. Because even though I know that you are one of the most resilient people I've ever met, I know that this is going to be a difficult season as you now step out into this calling that God has placed on your life. But we're really encouraged just about all that God is doing in your life and about where you're headed and inspired, frankly. And it's been really cool to see the way that you have leaned into God immediately after something so tragic as losing Jesse, but then also just being so open to whatever God has for you. So we are really inspired and we really love you and we're glad that you're here to share with us today. And we want to pray for you, um, not just off in the future, uh, but we're going to pray for you right now. And so the way that I think I want to do this is, why doesn't everybody just get into groups of maybe two or three or six, if you must? Um, and we're just going to spend a few minutes um, praying over Vanessa as she leaves and goes out on this trip. And as you pray, um, be praying for her support. Um, I think you're going to visit a few more churches in town um, that would be awesome if we'd be able to completely support you, but I'm looking around the room, and it might not be possible. So who knows what God has in mind, but I know that you're going to have to be traveling around asking for more fundraising and really sharing this message. And so would you pray as well for that as she is traveling around and as the fundraising trip um, goes on and on? Would you just pray for strength and encouragement and that God would provide for that? And then the other requests that she's shared. And so I'll go ahead and begin us, and then I'm just going to leave you guys um, a few minutes to pray in your little groups for her, and then I will go ahead and close us in prayer. But again, thanks, Vanessa, and thank oh, you thank for you. Uh, thanks for allowing us as a church family to hold you up in this, and thanks for sharing just all that you've been through during this time. Thank you. Um, just one last thing. I do have prayer cards that, um, like, if anybody needs any, let me know. Great. Okay, can we bow our heads and pray? Um, So, Father God, uh, we just praise you for the work that you've been doing in Vanessa's life. We just praise you for the the many gifts that you've given her. And now we just lift her up to you, that you would maximize her gifts, that you would really fill this time um, that she has before she moves into this next season um, with your work, with your provision. And God, we thank you for being a God who hears our prayer requests. And so, God, now we just turn to you in prayer, in your name.
And so, Father God, now we believe that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We believe that you are the God who has promised to be with us every day of our lives. And so, God, I just pray that you would be that in just a new and fresh way for Vanessa over this next time. Would you provide for her in ways that she did not even imagine would be possible as we look back on her story and how you have led her to the missions program in New York and just the many ways that you provided for her through the sale of a house, through crazy things like a little car accident or the selling of a car and just these things that in no way seem to make sense for how you would provide for her, but yet you did. Uh, We just praise you for that. And we move forward in this next season with faith and with big expectations of what you can do. And so, God, I just thank you for Vanessa's faith. Um, She's truly just an inspiration to all of us, and she embodies, I think, the call that you've given us to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so, God, I pray that you'd be working in our hearts today. Um, Would you continue to speak through Vanessa, not just to people who don't know you in in New York or in South Asia, um, but I know that you have been speaking um, to common ground here today through her story. And so we just want to be open to that and to receive what it is that you're teaching us in this moment. Um, But God, we want to be a people um, who support her as she moves into this next phase. And so would you speak to us on what it is that you would call us to do as we support um, your kingdom-building worker as she goes out? God, would you put her on our mind over the next few weeks and months that we would be moved to reach out with a phone call, um, to reach out with some encouragement, God? Would you just put her on our mind so that we could support her in that way? And God, we thank you for Vanessa. We just thank you for this journey that she's been on. Um, We recognize that in the midst of all of it, um, so much pain, but yet you are using it nonetheless. And so we just take a step back and we declare that you are good and you only ever are good and that you use every situation of our lives um, for your plan. And we just praise you for that. And now we entrust her to you over this next season. And again, as we have seen you work in mighty ways, we just have big expectations for what it is that you're going to do. And so Jesus, be with Vanessa this month as she fundraises, as she visits with family, as she sees old friends. We just sense your pleasure over her during this time. And so would you make this a time of of refreshment, provision? God, just pour out into her during this time. So Jesus, we thank you for this dear sister and the calling that you've placed on her. Help us to support her in the ways that you're calling us. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Vanessa. And can we have a round of applause for Vanessa here for sharing? (laughs) Now, I figured, since Vanessa is moving on to be a professional missionary, uh, she can handle reading us our text for today. Um, As we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, would you find your way to Matthew chapter 5, and we will be in verse 43 through 48, the end of that chapter there. So find your way to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Vanessa will read us our passage today. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not 
are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Much better than I could have done. Well, thanks again, Vanessa. As <laughs> you go. Do you want these? I might need them after that, but it's okay. Go ahead and put this here. Well, thanks, Vanessa. Thank you for reading that. And that is where we are today in the Sermon on the Mount. We are in one of Jesus's, I think, most controversial teachings there, and that is on enemy love, on loving your enemies here. This is a very well-known teaching, but I think we all recognize that though it's familiar, though we've heard it before, in no way is it easy. And as we've been tracking through the Sermon on the Mount, we have been talking about how Jesus has just called a kingdom people um, to himself. He's just called a group of people to follow him and to embody his way of living. And so he's been going through all of these different teachings, all of these different ways of living according to being a citizen of heaven, not just a citizen of this world. And in the process, he's been exposing some of the deep core issues that we have and guiding us into a new way of living, guiding us into his way to live as citizens of heaven and be changed by his power. And now if you were to summarize that last little section of scripture that Vanessa just read with one word, how would you summarize it? What was that paragraph about that Vanessa read? What was that? Feel free to shout out answers. Love. Judy got it. Nobody else gets a guess. Love. It's pretty clear. He's talking here. Jesus is teaching on love. And this really isn't unique to Christianity. It's not unique to this section of teachings from Jesus. This is all throughout the Bible, and it's all throughout other religions, um, other worldviews. But what is unique here is Jesus' teaching on love for enemies. This is actually very unique to Jesus. Now, the Russian philosopher Leo Tolstoy, he studied Matthew's gospel in depth, and he actually wrote a lot about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and as he read it, he read it with a Jewish rabbi because he was trying to get the perspective of historic Judaism as he read it. And so as he was reading the Sermon on the Mount with this rabbi, the rabbi was teaching him about how they would have taught that or about how that connects to some of their teachings from the Mishnah and the other documents that are outside of the Old Testament. And Tolstoy records how as they were going through the Sermon on the Mount, over and over the rabbi would say, yes, that's familiar. Yep, we teach that. Rabbi so-and-so said that. Rabbi so-and-so said that as they were working through these teachings. But once they came to verse 44, he said that the rabbi was silent. He didn't say anything. And then, as he finished reading this section, when he finally did speak, the rabbi said, this command is found nowhere in our scripture. He said, it is expected only to be found among the Christians. It's love for your enemies. This love for your enemies... It's a very difficult, very controversial teaching, frankly. I think we all recognize the importance of love, right? We know that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that if we don't have love, we don't have anything. All wisdom, knowing the mysteries of God. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And we all recognize love is important and good, right? We're all on the same page. I don't plan on convincing us of that because I think we get that. I think we understand that. But yet... This enemy love that God is calling us to is really very unnatural. It's very difficult to do. It's not 
necessarily how we might want to express love. But this is the call of Jesus for citizens of his kingdom here, to love even our enemies. And what we're going to look at today really is how I think, for us, on our own, this is impossible to love our enemies. But partnering with God, following the Holy Spirit, this is something that he empowers us to do. And I think the reason that it's essentially impossible for us is because human love and the kind of love that really we are capable of on our own is a small circle of those we like and those who are like us. But as we're going to see, God's love is different. And he's calling us to love with a love that reflects him, with a love that is from him. And God's love is not just a small circle in which some people fit, some people don't. God's love is a globe. That all are included in God's love. Now, Jesus began this little section by saying, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm just going to start off by clarifying that nowhere in the Old Testament does this command actually exist um, to hate your enemy. And Jesus is not saying that this is in the Bible here. Um, he's explaining that this is what was commonly taught. This was kind of the, the teaching of the day that most people were believing. And he's about to upend that teaching in a very powerful way. Um, but really, nowhere in the Old Testament, nowhere in the scriptures, is the command or even the permission to hate your enemies. But because of our human nature, I think, with a bent towards loving just with a small circle, this is how some of the scriptures were interpreted. This is how the command to love your neighbor was interpreted. That it was okay then, as long as you love your neighbor, you only have to love your neighbor. You don't actually have to love your enemy which then eventually got twisted to, in fact, you can and even should hate your enemy here. Because that is, I think, the bent of the human condition. It's not towards love. It's not towards God's, as um, Vanessa kept saying, like God-sized provision, God-sized work. Our human condition is not bent towards God-sized love. It was the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. who said that loving those we like and hating those we don't like is as common as skin human condition is not to love our enemies. And this was true for Jesus' day, and I think it's true for us today. I think we have to recognize that. And the reason that this is something that had gotten twisted in that day is that when they had received the command to love their neighbors, obviously when we receive commands from Jesus, we want some specifics, right? And so when God commanded to love the neighbors, they said, well, it only has to be the neighbors, right? Like, who counts as a neighbor? Because if we're supposed to love our neighbors, surely that can't mean everyone. And so there have got to be people that count as neighbors and people that don't count, people that are outside of the circle, right? And this is something that even happened to Jesus. When Jesus, it was in Luke chapter 10, when he said that all of God's law is summed up in loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God with all that you have. And then a legal scholar piped up and said, well, wait, 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 who is my neighbor? If I have to love my neighbor, who is it? And then Jesus told a very famous parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Because as we want specifics and we want to know who fits in with this category of neighbor, who do I actually have to love? There have to be people that are outside of that, right? And when Jesus taught the parable of the Good Samaritan, very familiar, to give a very simple explanation of what they would have heard after hearing that parable is that your neighbor can even be your enemy. 
I won't go into all the details about the relationship between the Jews at the time and the Samaritans, but when Jesus taught that you're, that, okay, if you're supposed to love your neighbor, teaches the parable of the Good Samaritan, what his audience would have heard is that my neighbor could even include my enemy. That we are called to love our enemies. And this, frankly, was hard for them to hear then. And I think it's hard for us to hear today, right? Because we know that loving is difficult, even loving the people that we do like, even if we are okay with the idea of a small circle of loving people who like us and who we like and who are like us, we recognize even that is difficult. Like, it's hard enough to love our family, our friends. It's hard enough to love the people closest to us. But yet here, he's calling us to love even our enemies. Even our enemies. And he says, you're not just called to love those who reciprocate love for you, who like you, who bless you, but you're called to love as a citizen of my kingdom, as someone who loves like I do, which includes loving your enemies. Not just to love those who are like us. Because I think we can all recognize, as we look at maybe the the social circles that we keep, we tend to love those who are more like us, right? We tend to love those who are not what we would call enemies. But Jesus here is saying, that you are called to love those even who it would be hard to love. And then he said this line in verse 46 through verse 47, where he said, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And this would have offended um, the Pharisees listening at the time, right? Because what he's saying is that in your religiosity, in your practice of this, you are actually not loving any differently than the very people that you are trying to separate yourself from. That you are actually just like who the Pharisees would have said are their enemies. And this is because I think they misunderstood what kind of love was possible for them to express. That they were still stuck in that idea of the small circle of human love. And I think as this offended the Pharisees of the day, this probably should offend us a little bit as well. This should make us a little uncomfortable hearing. Because we have to recognize that just as it was hard for them, that our hearts are bent in the same direction. That we often want to clarify, well, who is in and who is out? Who do I actually have to love, have to love? And who are the people that I can say, well, yeah, they don't actually count. They're outside that circle. But Jesus says here, You have to erase that line of thinking. You have to erase that circle of who fits in to counting as being loved by you and who doesn't. Jesus says erase it completely. And so we have the call to love everyone. How are we supposed to do that? Do I just sit up here and say you guys need to do better and you just need to like groan and feel those feelings of love for another person, right? You laugh because I'm saying I'm not going to do that, I promise, Um, because we recognize that you can't just force someone to love another person, and you can't conjure up feelings of positive emotion like you feel for your family and your friends for people who might be considered enemies. Those feelings might come over time. They might not, but I think God is not calling us just to have those same feelings towards our enemies that we have towards our friends. I think instead, if we're going to lean into this idea of loving others as God does, as reflecting God's love for the world, 
then the way that we love doesn't actually depend on those positive emotions. It doesn't actually depend on those same feelings. But the kind of love that God is leading us to here is the kind of love that's a response and a reflection of the love that we've received from him, right? So it's actually not dependent on that person, how they've treated us. It's actually not dependent on our feelings towards that person. It's dependent on a recognition of the love that we've received from God. That the love that we show others doesn't actually just bounce back from how they treat us to how we treat them, but it actually should come from God out to others. Because that's the kind of love that God has for us. God's love for the world. The kind of love that seeks the highest good for others, no matter what. That is seeking the good of others. And so I don't think Jesus is just calling us to like have positive feelings towards those people you don't like. I do think that it's possible. That might come. But I don't think that's what his call here is. And I don't think this is just practical wisdom. We're going to look at some of the applications that he gave us here. Um, this isn't like good networking, I would say. Um, but this is a call to be a reflection of who God is. And we've talked about that all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. That the Sermon on the Mount is not just a bunch of practices. It's not just good ethics. This is who God is. And it's a call for us to reflect that. Because we know that God is a loving God. But do you recognize that God is so loving that his kind of love that he expresses is actually a kind of love not just for his friends, but for his enemies as well? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So God's act of loving for us, of dying for us, Jesus, you know, Jesus said that there's no greater act of love than to lay down your life for a friend. And he did this as an act of love for us while we were still his enemies. So God is showing that his love is not a tiny little circle, that his love is poured out even to his enemies, even when we were far off, even when we were not in relationship with him, he poured himself out to love us, right? And we know the all-familiar John 3.16, right? What does John 3.16 say? Maybe we have to make, wake some of us up. Who can recite it? Who actually can? Emily was nailing it. Oh, it's up there. Yeah, I guess we have it. Christine's too fast. I'm like, wow, you guys have great memory, right? God loved the world, so he sent his son. Now, the world, before Jesus died for it, stuck dead in sin. And Jesus died for a world that he already loved, not in order that he might love the world, but he already loved those who would be called his enemies. And in the process, made it possible for us to now, as Jesus said in that passage, to be called his children, to be reconciled to him in relationship to be reconciled to him in relationship, right? God loved the world. He loved his enemies in order to rec reconcile his enemies to himself and to be called his children. And it was the Swiss theologian Karl Barth who said that it's possible to die unsaved, but it's impossible to die unloved. God's love for the whole world is our call, that we are called to reflect that very love for our enemies. We're supposed to be inspired and empowered by his great love for us. 
And Jesus said in verse 45, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And so this is our call. That if God is our Father, then the kids look like the parents. We're called to look like Him. To display His love, His power to the world. And this is a call that we have here. And Jesus modeled that. I think as we think about who our enemies are or who the relationships that we have might be that might be so difficult we would even consider it that, we have to recognize who Jesus was teaching this to. Um, The original audience here in the first century had a very good understanding of what an enemy was. The first people in their mind would have obviously been the Romans as they were living under Roman occupation, as their literal enemies were walking around all over the place, but yet this was the call that Jesus placed on them. And he didn't just teach it and expect them to do it without actually showing them. Over and over again, we see Jesus interacting with those who might be considered enemies. He interacted with tax collectors. And then, obviously, the most beautiful example of his love was dying on the cross. And as his blood was poured out on the cross, he was still modeling love for his enemies. And even there in his suffering, he prayed out out loud, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. This is the perfect love of God that we're called to express, even for enemies. Jesus showed how that was done, even for the people that were killing him. And so this call that Jesus gives us, it's not a call just to human love, but it's a call to difficult, divine, enemy-focused love. Anyone else feel inadequate? Like, well, what are we going to do about that? (laughs) Pretty tricky, huh? Okay. And I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think if you're starting to feel a little maybe afraid or hesitant, I think that's a good place to start because I think one of the things that Jesus is constantly reminding us here in the Sermon on the Mount, as we have looked at a few different times, is as we see this call to be perfect as God is perfect, to be like Jesus, we have to recognize that we can't actually do this. At least we can't actually do this on our own. And so the call is to lean into him But even though we can't actually do this on our own, notice that Jesus continues to instruct, right? Even though we can't do this on our own, he still expects us to give it a shot. He still expects us to lean into him and to live this way. And he still gives us applications. He still gives us things that we can do, fully expecting us to recognize that, okay, it's not going to be from our own effort. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through following him, we can seek to live this way. We can recognize that our life matters and the way that we follow him does matter. And so Jesus does give us applications in this passage. And he says, obviously, the first one that's clear that we're going to look at is even though this is a very difficult thing to do, Jesus gave us some things that we can do. He says, one, to pray for them. He also says to greet them and to provide for them. But the first very easy thing to do here that Jesus calls us to to begin to reflect the kind of enemy-focused love that Jesus has, that Jesus has poured out for us, is we can pray for our enemies. That's the first thing that Jesus instructed them. Pray for them. Pray for our enemies. Now, when I was in college, I had a bit of a conflict with this guest teacher that was teaching this class for a little bit. He had sent out some assignments for us to do before he was going to show up. And I may or may not have figured out um, how to be very snarky. 
and cynical um, in these assignments. And so once he came and I met him in person, um, he did not have a, a good picture of who I did, and I did not have a good relationship with him already off the bat because of my own foolishness. Um, but so right off the bat, he had this picture of who I was, and he decided that I was insubordinate and rebellious, and I was just going to be like this horrible student. And so there were a few times in class where he would just like come at me, and I think he was just trying to like shake me up or wake me up or trying to like redirect me, but he came off real strong um, to the point where at one point he said that I shouldn't actually be in this Bible school, but I belonged in a school for at-risk youth. Um, (laughs) And then proceeded to tell this story about this girl he knew that went to Harvard, and she was an athlete, and she was good at all these things. And then because of her bad attitude, she was in the alley smoking crack and selling her body, and I reminded him a lot of her. (laughs) And I was thinking, like, wow, that's, like, really intense. Um, And I think he was trying to, like, get under my skin and get me to defend myself, but since I grew up, honestly, like a really goody-goody homeschool kid, I wasn't actually offended by this. I thought it was kind of funny and almost a little cool, which <laughs> didn't, didn't help the fact that he thought I was rebellious and being insubordinate, because then I tried to get my classmates to refer to me as Eazy-E, the rapper, um, to, because I thought I was earning some street cred, and I thought I was doing pretty well. And so he really didn't like that I wasn't offended by these insults, but As time went on, I started talking to my pastor about this, and I was like, hey, I have this situation. This guy really doesn't like me, and he keeps, like, attacking me in front of everyone. And so my pastor, you know, he's counseling me through this, and he's talking to me about it, and he says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you and pray for your situation and pray for all of this, but I don't want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for your enemy here. I wasn't real happy about that because I was thinking, I'm just a helpless little Bible student, and this guy is saying that I'm, I belong in a school for at-risk youth. And he said, I know, but I want you to pray for him. And so I made it a practice in my time with God that I would pray for this individual. And at first, it was hard because I just wanted to pray, like, God, would you just, like, I don't know, get him? Like, send him to a school for at-risk youth? I don't know, like, something... <laughs> But as time went on, I definitely noticed that God was softening my heart. And I did see God softening this man's heart as well. As I made a commitment to pray for him every morning, as I made a commitment not just to pray for myself and to seek how this could be easier for myself in class and how I could look better and how I would not be insulted, but actually just seeking his highest good. And eventually, as I had been doing this for a little while during the term, I decided to just one day just tell him, like, oh, by the way, I prayed for you this morning. And it was just me and two other students next to me when this happened. And immediately once I told him that I had prayed for him this morning, he, like, grabbed the three of us, pulled us aside, and he said, thank you for praying for me. I actually was just diagnosed with cancer this last week, and I have not told anyone but my family. And so he then asked us then to pray for him again, if we'd be willing to pray in that moment. And after that moment, our relationship completely changed. And he's honestly one of the more encouraging people who still will send me a random text here or there saying, like, I'm proud of you. I think part of that is he thinks I really overcame a lot um, to become a pastor. Um, But whatever, I'll take it. So he's really proud of the the growth that I made from being a delinquent to where I am today. Um, But nonetheless, um, it started with, with praying for him. And I'm so glad of that instruction from my pastor of I know that this is hard for you in this moment, and this person is making your life miserable. 
but pray for your enemies. And I think for us today, this is where we can start as well. I don't know who comes to your mind when you think of who your enemy might be. I recognize that some of you uh, might have real legitimate enemies, not just an annoying neighbor or a mean coworker, but some of you have been hurt, have been abused, have been harmed significantly by others. And so your call to pray for your enemies is a difficult one. But I think this is a place where Jesus tells us to start. And I think this can look in a lot of different ways, um, what it means to pray for our enemies. I won't exactly tell you how not to pray for your enemy. I would just say, like, maybe don't pray that God just smites them right away. That's probably not great. But we do have to recognize that even in the Psalms, a prayer book recorded by God for us to use as a prayer guide for our lives, there are some messy prayers in there. God is okay with the honesty, with the complaints about the evil of this person and what this person is doing in my situation. And so maybe for you this week, as you struggle to come up with the words to say, to pray for your enemies, dig into the Psalms and use some of that language to influence the way that you cry out to God. But as you go through this week, as you go through your life, as you encounter these enemies, first and foremost, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray maybe for their conversion. Pray for a change of heart. Pray for repentance. Bring them before God and ask God for their highest good. Just as Jesus on the cross prayed for his enemies, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Just as Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts, who prayed as people are throwing rocks at him, said, Lord, don't hold this against them. The testimony of Scripture is that when enemies come at us, we're called to hold them up in prayer. So pray for your enemies here this week. The second application I think Jesus gives us here is one you might overlook, but in verse 47, he said, If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And pagans was not like an ethnic group or anything during that time. That was a, an actual group. And so this application, it might be overlooked because it's kind of subtle. But I think we have to recognize that this is not something that we typically do when it comes to our enemies, right? How do we usually treat our enemies? We cut them out of our lives, right? Greeting is the last thing we do. If we see them at the grocery store or out in public, we go the, the other way. We duck down that aisle. We avoid, we cut out, we never speak to that person again. And I think this seems really subtle and simple, but we know that this is one of the main ways that we approach those most difficult people in our lives. As we cut them out, we never speak to them again. Greeting them in that way actually is a huge change to the way that we treat our enemies. This is a huge change. And I think we have to recognize if we're going to love others the way that Jesus has loved us, as we were his enemies, are you not thankful that he didn't just cut you out of his life? Right? The Babylon Bee had a great article a few years ago. Um, just, I think, that captures this well, about maybe how God treats his enemies. How God doesn't just cut out his enemies. How he seeks reconciliation, even for his worst possible enemies. And it was in this Babylon Bee article where it said that, well, God was cutting out all the toxic people in his life. And so, what does that mean? Well, 7.5 billion people are dead. Right? If we recognize that the way that God interacts with his enemies is not to cut them out, but to still show goodness towards them. Right? We laugh at this, but yet, if we consider, well, who do we look like? Who are we reflecting in the way that we treat our enemies? 
I mean, do we reflect God who cuts out no one? Do we reflect a God who still shows kindness even to his enemies? And Jesus gave us a really interesting way to know that God does this, that God still is good to those even who are his enemies by saying, well, look at the weather, right? Like, look at how the sun still rises on God's enemies and look how the rain still nourishes the land for them. That God is still good even to his enemies. That we can consider still reconciliation. We don't have to just think, well, in this case, all communication must be ended. In this case, no matter what, we can never greet this person again. And I think this is a simple call that Jesus is instructing us to here. When we interact with those enemies, greet them. Speak with them. Don't follow the the cultural way of just cutting those people out and being done with them. And then Jesus' third application that he has here is to provide for them, to bless them, I think, to do good things for them. Jesus said in verse 46, Your Father in heaven, he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That this is the way that God is and behaves towards his enemies. He works to bless them, to provide for them, even the people who don't love him. In Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which is found in Luke's Gospel, he added a little something different to essentially the same message. He said, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. I think this is one of the best ways that we can reflect God's love to the world, is to do good for enemies, to bless to provide for our enemies. And when it comes to the people that we really don't like, the people who even don't like us, people that we would say are the opposite of lovable, again, the call is not just to conjure up those positive feelings towards them, but to move in acts of love that reflect the acts of the Father towards us. He's been a God who provides for us. In Romans chapter 12, tells us to give food and drink to our enemies if they are hungry or thirsty. And I think we have to consider what might this look like for us. Maybe it is quite literally. Bringing food to a coworker that we have a rough relationship with. Maybe there is someone that we know, a family member that is maybe estranged from us. Maybe there is a broken relationship in that way, but you know that they are in need. And maybe this means that you're the one who's going to step up and help them in, in their time of need. But you have those situations in mind. You have those enemies in your life that are on the forefront of your mind today. And I would encourage you, lean into Jesus' command here. Providing for and blessing your enemies. And I think if we're going to be people who do this, I just want to encourage you to trust in the transforming work of God's love as well. As you have experienced the change in your life from God's love expressed and poured out on you, Trust that if you, in turn, reflect the love of the Father to others, trust that in that way the Holy Spirit is going to work through you to change them as well. Because God's love changes people. His love is transforming. And when Jesus was on the cross, the ultimate need being met for his enemies there, there was a Roman centurion who saw it happening. There was a Roman centurion who was there at Jesus' crucifixion. And I'll just say that you don't become 
a centurion by loving your enemies. Um, you become a centurion because you were able to lead from the front. And if you survive on the front, what that means is that you're really good at killing your enemies. And so we have this Roman centurion who specializes. He's a professional at killing his enemies. And he sees Jesus' love for his enemies. Jesus loving the very people who are putting him to death. And this Roman hardened centurion sees Jesus' love for his enemies and said in front of everyone, truly this man is the Son of God. Right? This man saw Jesus' enemy-focused love and his heart was changed by it. He was able to see who Jesus was. And it was this expression of Jesus' love that was so different from anything that mankind ever expresses that he knew there must be something divine about this man. The Holy Spirit poured out that love for this man to see. And it changed his heart. And as we move out to love our enemies, would you just trust that the Holy Spirit does this work as well? You might not see it right away. This might be just another difficult thing where you're loving this person that reciprocates nothing. But would you trust in the work of the Holy Spirit that when God's love is poured out, that when God's love is displayed to the world, that he is at work. But again, as we recognize, you can't do this on your own. We can only do this if we've truly experienced God's love for us, if we have the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And I think a key part of this is recognizing this is something that comes from God for us. That this is something that God pours out into our hearts. It's in Romans 5, just before the section that we read earlier, where the Apostle Paul wrote, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I think we do have to recognize that in order for us to love others, in this way that he's calling us to. I don't think this is just something that's inside of us that you just need to try harder and do better at. I don't think this is just something you need to be aware of that you have the possibility of. I honestly think this is something that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to do for us. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to pour out his love into our hearts, to move us towards our enemies. I don't think this is something that we can just do on our own that the right education, the right teaching, the right program is going to help us to do this. I think this is something that we have to ask for from God. Ask the Holy Spirit to pour his love into our hearts that we would then pour it out for others, even our enemies. And so as we close here today, I want to give you a minute to do that. I want to give you a minute to pray for your enemy and to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to love that person. Because as I have been preparing this message, I've just recognized how short any teaching could come if this love is not poured out into us by the Holy Spirit. And so as we end, I want to give you time. I'm sure a name has come to mind, maybe a face, of someone that you might be able to consider as your enemy, that someone that you have had conflict with, as someone who has been difficult for you to love. And would you ask God, to pour his love out into your heart in order that you might love this person. And so I'm going to give you a few minutes here. And would you just pray um, this simple prayer? God, help me to love. And you fill in the blank.
And so as we close, I'll go ahead and begin and pray. And I'm going to give you some time to approach your Heavenly Father, who has loved you deeply, and who loves even these people that we don't. And would you just ask Him to give you the ability, give you the love that He has for that person, to show you what it might look like to love them. So let's bow our heads and pray. So Father God, we just thank you for loving us. And God, we recognize that this call to love others is not something we can do on our own. And so I ask that you would pour out your spirit on us, that we would be able to love the way that you love us. Give us your enemy-focused love. Jesus, in your holy name. Father God, as these names, these faces, these situations have come to mind for us today, I just thank you that your spirit is present, comforting us. I just pray that during this time, you would direct us to how it is you're calling us to love these people. I thank you for being a God who is so gracious in your love towards us. Now empower us, give us the ability to be gracious that same love to others. Now, God, as we turn to you in worship, we just praise you. We thank you for being the God who loves us. And we're compelled by that love. We're moved by that love out to the world. So we just turn towards you in praise during this time, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. we go into this next song. Um, this is new. This is new to you, probably. Um, and I know I keep on doing this to you, but um, I just want us to reflect on the words, on what it says, because um, I think these words are powerful, and I think, um, to me, it really has made me feel uh, the love of God, and because He loves us, we can love others as well, so... Um, just, yeah, meditate, think about it. If you want to sing with it, the words are on the screen. At the stars in the night, I wonder at your lightning in the sky, I shudder. Your glory Thank you. 
And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So as you go, and as you face those people in your life that might be seen as enemies are difficult to love, acknowledge the great love that God has poured out for you. And would you become reliant on his love that we may reflect him to the world. So common ground, grace and peace. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful week.